Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I think the fans were, were very excited, but you know, I try to downplay it and, and all that because this is you know, this is how it's going to be from here on out. You know, this is a great win for us, but you know, this is the this is the standard for you know the the bare minimum every year going forward. And keep the change, you filthy animal, <laughs> Joe Burrow. Uh, hey, that that's the attitude he had when I spoke to him after they finished their sweep of the Steelers. I think it was. Yeah, it's like it's no big deal. This is just the, this is the new standard. Yeah, they're hungry. Finish the sweep of the Ravens. This is the new standard. That's just the way they. That's the way it is. I, it's you know, forget about the past. This is the way it is now. Deal with it. It's what's amazing about some of these young quarterbacks. You know, they they've changed the standard of organizations in such a hurry. It's really special. I don't know what it is. What the hell these guys are doing? What protein shakes they're drinking growing up? But there's just no fear. You know, Mahomes. Well, do you really want to go to Kansas City? Gosh, they haven't been good or a real contender in forever oh hey they're the greatest thing since sliced bread now i mean going to the Bengals, the joe burrow i mean man do you really want to go there that organization damn they're good holy cow looks like they're gonna be good forever i don't know even those uniforms that look ugly they're starting to look better now with joe burrow there <laughs> and that's funny and that funny right how ugly uniforms start to look good when you, the team that just, is wearing just, them gets I know, better I, it's amazing it really is i'm starting to look at them last week and going damn they look good out there i don't know what it is but it's just because they're good and it's that damn quarterback uh amazing josh allen and buffalo justin herbert the chargers just step in and just change an organization right away very special people and and it really does remind me of the way that joe montana's 49ers took over the nfl at a time when it was steelers raiders cowboys dolphins had faded by then it was steelers raiders cowboys steelers raiders cowboys here come the 49ers and beat the Cowboys in the 81 championship game in the NFC and it just that 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 was stunning for that reason. Yeah. That that you weren't used to. This wasn't this wasn't a common occurrence where a bad team all of a sudden 
is a great team. No, that's not how it works. It's not. There's there's the great teams, and then there's the teams they beat up on until they play each other. The great teams do in the postseason. So now we've got that cycle, and you're just one quarterback away. And uh, the Bengals got their guy, and to their credit, they held firm. Stephen Ross wanted to trade up from five to one, and they're like, no, 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 no. We're yep. not doing it, no matter what you offer. And they made the right call. So he goes on the road now to Nashville, rested. Tennessee Titans team with Derrick Henry back at practice looking pretty good. Well, it's just practice. Had the pads on, but well, you know, we, we haven't seen him in a game yet. But how, how big of a difference is this if you've got healthy and rested Derrick Henry playing against the Bengals? He's missed more than half of the season with that foot injury that required surgery. How big of a push is that for the Titans as they try to get ready to, to beat a Bengals team that doesn't realize they shouldn't be this far. Yeah, it's a game changer. I mean, again, this is a dangerous running game without Derrick Henry. Uh, they're, they're still good without Derrick Henry. But now you're talking about a guy that, you know, can take the offense and the running play beyond, you know, the expectations of a normal running back that, that or a normal, you know, what's expected out of that running play. That's, this is one of the best physical specimens we've seen in football in the history of the sport. I mean, he's, he's a game changer in the fact that even when you got stop him, he still gets three yards or two yards and moves the pile. And, of course, we know you give him a seam or just a little a crack of daylight, and he can go 80 yards to the house. So I just look at that, Mike, and it's more than that. It's the uh, it's the way they want to play, too. It affects the defense, and now they grind the clock out, and now Vrabel and Shane Bowen, they're creative on the defensive side of the ball. That makes it more pressure for the other offense because it's like, wait, they had the ball forever, and now their defense is doing crazy things. And the biggest thing, too, is now with him and a healthy Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, Oh my gosh, that's where the Titans, people need to look it up, have been one of the best big play teams in football the last few years because Tannehill and A.J. Brown and company are unbelievable off the play action pass, throwing the ball deep down the field. So uh, it's going it, to it's, it's gonna be an issue for the Bengals. And they lost to Larry Ogunjobi last week at defensive tackle, so that adds a little more, you know, what do they say, salt to the wound or whatever there. Uh, so they're, they're, they got their hands full this week with this offense. I really believe that. Yeah, now look, the Bengals offense, we know what they can do, but they let the Raiders hang around last weekend. There were some defensive lapses, and it's not going to be easy. This may be the limit to what the Bengals can do. We do our picks tomorrow, and I love a good story. I love a good turnaround. I like to get caught up in an underdog, but this may be the limit of what these Bengals can do, laying the foundation to do more next year. But Derrick Henry coming back, even without Derrick Henry, yes. the Titans with extra time, with Mike Vrabel, you know, they kind of fly under the radar. Nobody really notices them, and I think that plays to their advantage. They're dangerous without Henry. If Henry's back and he can, he can have the same kind of impact Cam Akers did on the Rams on Monday night, it, it's, it's, it, it's feels like it's going to be lights out for the Bengals. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a tough challenge, there's no doubt. But we, now we, we've seen this Titans team, though, on defense. You know, they've had moments of – Hey, we saw the Texans in Week 18, Davis Mills and company moving the ball and making big plays. You know, so there, I, I can see this game. You know, having some points on the board, I can. You know, I, I certainly can see the Bengals if they can protect Joe Burrow against this group up front. 
being able to throw in the Titans in the secondary a little bit. Uh, I, I do. So, that, yes, you know, again, I, I, I think it's going to be tough. It's, it's a Titans team that's big and physical on both sides of the ball. They're going to have some advantages there, the Titans are at least. But I do think that Joe Burrow in this offense has enough offer, in my opinion right now, to kind of keep pace with just about anybody, just like we saw with the Chiefs a few weeks ago. It, it, it's special that way. And I think with the Titans and their style of defense, as compared to the Raiders, like we talked about last week, who never let big plays, it's just constantly get back, get back, throw it underneath. The Titans will take some chances and do some stuff that's creative. And, you know, opportunities will present itself to make a few big plays in the past game that way. And the Titans have been that team that went in and beat the one seed in the division around just two years ago. I kind of think in a weird sort of way that helps Mike Vrabel get his guys to be on guard and be ready and understand what happens when you're playing a team that just won a playoff game. you got to be ready for an early uppercut. The old, as we were saying last week, that I thought the Steelers were going to do to the Chiefs, the George McFly curl up his fist and, right. and catch Biff early. The, the Titans have to be on guard for the Bengals doing that because that could change everything if it happens. All right, 49ers-Packers, one of the more compelling games. They're all compelling. Yeah, this is one of the it's more the compelling best games of the it's weekend. It's the best eight. The, it's the, awesome. The, 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 this one, though, because of what the 49ers have done to the, the Packers sauce. in yeah. past postseasons, but now they got to go to Lambeau Field. Here's Aaron Rodgers on his hope that it will be loud and it will be disruptive for the road team on Saturday night in Wisconsin. I'm excited about our opportunity, excited about the leadership we have on the football team, excited about the guys coming back, and excited to have a full full crowd uh, this year as opposed to as opposed to last year, uh, hoping for a loud crowd that it has a nice, enjoyable afternoon. Maybe it doesn't go too hard. It leaves some, you know, some room for some enjoyment from like 7 to you know, 10.30 p.m. on uh, on Saturday night. So uh, it's an exciting opportunity to be back at Lambeau for a playoff game in primetime. <laughs> I like it. Leave some room, man. Yeah. Leave some room. Make well, sure you can take a few drinks during the game, too, so you can stay loud, you know? <laughs> hey, and and look, he, he, he's been there and he's done that when it hasn't worked out for the Packers at Lambeau Field against your Giants 10 years ago when the Packers were 15-1. and one. The odds-on favorites to repeat yeah. as the Super Bowl champions the year after they beat the Steelers in Dallas. And what happened? Giants went in there and completely outclassed them. And remember, there was that Hail Mary to Hakeem Nicks yeah, right exactly. at, at the end right. of the half right. that was the backbreaker. Yep. So the, the Packers have been on the wrong end. Aaron Rod now the rest of the team over the past 10 years is different, but Rodgers knows what can happen in the divisional round, no even doubt. if you get the bye week. It, it, it doesn't matter. You can still lose in that 60 minutes of football. A hundred percent. You better watch out. And you know what? I don't think they'll be caught by surprise this week. They know who's coming to town. And they know this is a team that gives them some issues. This is a scary matchup for the Green Bay Packers. It really is. The 49ers match up very well with them. And I think a lot is going to be on Rodgers this week to win the football game. I do. I mean, the 49ers defense, as you saw, it's it's the real deal. We saw them just completely overwhelm the Cowboys at times the other yesterday or Sunday in that game. You know, Nick Bosa. It sounds like he's going to be back. Fred Warner. It sounds like he's going to be able to play. You know, they need Bosa to be a hundred percent. 
100% ready to go. I think it's going to be close to that. Warner, I doubt he'll be 100%, but at least it was the rolling of the ankle. It's a low ankle sprain, not a high ankle sprain. It makes me feel a lot better as a guy that's had both. It definitely does. But again, this is a different 49ers team that they played in week three. It is. You know, the 49ers are healthier. I think they got a little bit understanding of how they want to play. You know, they figured out some things on the offensive side of the ball. Elijah Mitchell wasn't in the first matchup. Debo Samuel, all the run game stuff with him, that really wasn't a part of their offense during the first matchup. Uh, so I really look at this and go, I would not be shocked if the 49ers went in there and upset the Green Bay Packers. I would not. I think the one area where I go back to Rodgers and go, hey, we've talked about it a lot, you and me, Mike is there, there's an issue at the 49er corner position. And that's where I go, how willing and often are they going to be able to go outside, throw the ball to Devontae Adams on 10-yard outs, 15-yard comebacks, the go routes, the back shoulders, all of that. You know, that's going to be on Rodgers and Adams to take over the game, in my opinion. They're going to have to do that or at least have some points of doing that. It makes Nick Bosa so critical to the 49ers. Yeah. He had the yeah. concussion when he took a leg of a teammate to the head on on Sunday in Dallas and if they don't have him that gives Aaron Rodgers more time to to pick apart no doubt that suspect secondary the 49ers I'm looking at the the weather forecast on on the app that I use here and I see mid-teens for kickoff but they got lucky because there's some there's some lows in the negative territory later this week and beyond sun on beyond Saturday uh but for Saturday, they, they should avoid ice bowl conditions, which uh, is kind of good, but also kind of bad. I mean, I kinda, we kind of like it when we, we don't want the conditions to be so much that it affects the game. But but isn't it fun watching football and seeing the big cloud oh, no doubt. of breath from everyone on the field? No, no doubt about it. I, I, I love seeing it. I really do. It's what football is, in my opinion. It, it's the what the NFL has to offer that, to me, is just greater than college football. We get in these meaningful games, and the elements play a factor. You know, one of the things that always annoys me about the college game is that it always favors the fast team from the South. You know, again, I, if Georgia had to go up and play Michigan in the Final Four in five-degree weather, I think that game would have been a little different. Not saying they wouldn't win, but it'd be different. It's a different way of playing. And that's what equals things out or makes the game a little bit more interesting. And we know Green Bay is very comfortable in these elements. Even though they've lost their share of games, like you talked about, at home in these elements. You know, even going back to, you know, Green Bay losing the first NFC Championship game when Brett Favre was there in the Giants. They've, they've stumbled here a little bit more than, you know, you would think with that great home field advantage. And I would worry about it where – and the fact of Green Bay, man, I mean, at the end of the year, their run defense, it was bleeding. I mean, teams were running the ball and moving them all over the place. And now you got Shanahan and the 49ers coming to town. That's where it's a real scary matchup. And I'm very much on the fence of who I want to pick in this game right now, sitting here as of Wednesday. There was a time when the Packers were nearly invincible at home in the postseason. Right? Do you remember when the bubble burst Ooh. and who was responsible for popping it? Okay, okay, okay. Don't you want me to tell you the year? No, I'll no, tell you. you, want, you let want, me see. Right. Uh, let me think. Uh, so it is the Brett Favre era, right? Um, oh, you know what? It, it's Michael Vick, right? That was the Atlanta yes. Falcons game when he came into town, right? Yeah, I remember that. I can still remember that, thinking, man, you know, this is Michael Vick. He's amazing and all that, but I don't think he'll be able to, have to go up to Green Bay and pull off magic. <laughs> and, and, of course, he did because he's the damnedest thing I ever saw in my life on the field. Michael Vick had three rockets up his butt and then had a rocket left arm, too. It was unreal watching Michael Vick in person. 
<laughs> well, and then they had the the Randy Moss. That is a disgusting act game. Oh, that's right. You know, they, so it they've all had fell some apart losses. After that, right? Yeah. They've had some losses. Yeah. The Giants lost in 07. Right. When Tom Coughlin's face was, was. peeling off of his skull. <laughs> that was the, amazing. Then the, then the 2011 game. I mean, they, so so hey, this is this is by no means the home field advantage that it used to be in the postseason for the Green Bay Packers, but just it makes it harder. I mean, this one's a coin flip for me right now. Yeah. Uh, uh, another one that, and I think the line has crept from Bucks minus three to Bucks minus two because the Rams have beaten the Buccaneers each of the last two regular seasons. What's been the secret in your assessment for the Rams to outscore Tampa Bay in the two Tom Brady years? Yeah, well, I think, one, we've seen the Bucks kind of, you know, bleed in the pass defense category a little, right? At times, when we've seen their defense not look as good, people have been able to make plays in the past. Well, the Rams, whether it was Stafford this year, and then even last year, you know, there was a good game plan of attacking them through the pass game that gave the Bucks issues. It did. You know, so I think that aspect of, you know, the Rams, they want to run the ball and they want to run the ball just enough so it keeps everything off their pass game, their bootlegs, their screens, and then their drop back pass game. So they do that just the right amount to where, yeah, the Bucks do have to worry about the run, but oh man, you know, McVay's creative and the things he does off of it. So it gives them issues that way. And the Rams are more of a speed team. They're a smaller team. They're predicated on that. And the Bucks are a big team. And this is one of the few small teams I've seen that have kind of given them, them issues. You know, in both games, whether you go back to last year or earlier this year, the Bucks have not run the ball or really tried to run the ball, which would be the thing I would say we, we, I, I want to see that this Sunday. That big offensive line, you can't get into a passing match against the Rams. The Rams, that's what they want. We just saw the 49ers give them issues. Why? Because they run the ball and impose their physicality and size on them a little bit. It's the greatest way to neutralize Aaron Donald. The Bucks have been a little arrogant the last two times they've played him, in my opinion, thinking they were just going to throw the ball over the field. And, you know, when you do that, then Raheem Moore starts to get really creative. Oh, they're going to pass. Here comes this guy blitzing, this guy drop. Look at like, this play right here. And they're around Brady, like we talked about. Looked like a blitz, but they brought four people, and these are the type of games, in both games, where Brady got antsy in the pocket. Like you see right there, he flinches, he misses people downfield because he's a little worried about protecting himself and the body and it's for whatever reason it's one of those defensive lines that has really given the Bucks offensive line issues it's one of the only defensive lines I've seen them give issues uh, and I think it is because of this kind of the speed combination that they have and the versatility up front with the Rams yeah and and, and now they have Von Miller exactly now they have Von Miller I think that's what makes it even more dangerous for Tom Brady, even though it's the rush up the middle that can be problematic. Brady can deal with the rush around the edge. He gets rid of the and ball so quickly. Stats, you know, too but much you've got Vaughn Miller. Yeah. No, well, absolutely. And and Leonard Fournette, they expected him back last week. He didn't return. Keyshawn Vaughn did a respectable job. But with no Ronald Jones, with no Leonard Fournette, that makes it even more challenging. But they do need to be able to run the ball. Tristan Wirfs and, and might also, be hurt, not 100%. And then you got to worry about those guys coming off the edge. I mean, you know, you got your two coaches going for interviews. I mean, there's a lot of things going on in Tampa right now. And, and look, you got you got a very hungry Rams team yes. that has been through the fires. They've had their losses. It's all coming together. OBJ Ooh, yeah. has been... And, you know, I, I, I don't know that he... a little. They seem chippy. I, I like that about the Rams right now. The 49er game, I think, really pissed them off, and they're, they're a little edgy right now. 
I don't know that Beckham wanted to play with Tom Brady, and I don't think they had room for him at the time, but I could see Beckham getting himself mentally yeah, juiced up excited, for this one. Let me, juiced up yeah, right. to go show Tom Brady what he can do. Right. You know, I because they, they've got that relationship. Remember after the Browns and the Patriots played a couple he of years ago? He loves Tom Brady. He loves Brady him. and Beckham spent a lot of time together. So, you know, you want to go show you want to go show the GOAT that, uh, you know. I got some GOAT you, qualities, too. You know, how, you know how to eat grass, yeah. too. Right, I know exactly. how to eat grass, too, right. baby. Right. Um, all right, the, uh, the Bills and the Chiefs, another great game this weekend rematch of the AFC championship um does it matter that the Bills beat the Chiefs handily back in week five does that matter now no that's just so you know we have three repeat matchups right from early and they're all early in the season and when you go back and watch they don't hold a lot of water because the teams were just not the same they didn't play the same way you know this is when the Chiefs were you know, kind of in the midst of the disease of turnover and the disease of blowing defensive assignments where nobody's covering anybody. Like this play right here. Here's one where I, Josh Allen, he's going to escape, and there's nobody in the screen against Dawson Knox, and he walks into the end zone. There was a lot of that going on at that point. So it's a different Chiefs football team. They figured out the personnel they want to play with on defense, and they figured out the scheme in which they want to play with on that side of the ball too. It's a totally different team. Mahomes is a different guy right now. The Chiefs are a little bit better running the football. So uh, I don't look at their early season matchup as far as dictating my decision in this too much. I put more weight into what I've seen over the last five or six weeks of the season uh, that dictates who I think is going to win. And again, it's another coin flip one. I don't know where I'm going with this one yet, Mike. I really don't. Uh, this is going to be exciting. And, of course, it's... You know, the two stars of the league. To me, it's, you know, the two of the most unstoppable forces in the league. You know, I know Rodgers and Brady are awesome, but, hey, they're a little bit more pocket passer, you know, reliant on maybe the system to a degree. Brady more reliant than Rodgers. But these two guys, man, I, I mean, it doesn't matter. You, there's too many plays where I watch and go, man, the defense, that was awesome. That was perfect. That's domination. What? Mahomes got a 30-yard gain? What? Josh Allen threw a laser and nobody was open and he broke a tackle and they got a 40-yard gain? That's where I cannot wait to watch this football game because I think there's a real little rivalry between these two because they're both threatened with each other with, I'm the man, no, you're the man, I have all the gifts, you have all the gifts, and I think they both look at themselves as that guy. This is the closest thing we have to Brady and Manning. I think it's We're getting looking close for the to next it. Brady and right, Manning. Right. This is really it. Yeah. Two straight years that they're crossing paths in the postseason. Yeah. And Bill scored 47 against the Patriots. Chiefs score 42 against the Steelers. And, and they are colliding. The only thing that makes this better is if it had happened a week later. And... Uh, you know the the Titans and the Bengals winner should be very happy that you know they're getting they're getting a pass to the championship without having to play either of these two teams. No, I I, I think so too. It's it's great that you get them to cancel out. You know, you know, you only got to play one of them, so that certainly helps out. And again, you know, with this game too, thirty-eight twenty victory. I understand that you saw. I mean, again, it was the Tyree kill. The ball was right in his hands. Pops in the air. Pick six. You know, those, those things have gone away from the Chiefs. You know, uh, over the 
the, the last little stretch of the season. And you remember this, Mike, too? And I can't remember exactly when the score was here. I might have messed this up. I believe it was 31-20 at this point. And remember, the Bills were backed up on their own 5-3 yard line. And Josh Allen threw, uh, I believe it was an interception down the middle of the field. And they called a roughing the passer call that I know you and I did not agree with. Nobody in football agreed. It was, you know, just illegal hitting the quarterback too hard. And that kind of changed the game and gave the Bills, I think, the jump start to get their last score. They went on a long yes. drive to score that last touchdown where I went, whoa, that was a big moment of the game. Interception, the Chiefs were going to have the ball around midfield with momentum of the game. And, of course, it ended up being a first down for the Bills, and they went down and put the game away. Uh, so I think the game was a little closer the first time around than on the scoreboard, too. And, of course, I think the Chiefs are, are playing a cleaner brand of football now than then. That was also the night of the ridiculously long weather delay. We oh, probably geez, don't have to right. worry about oh. thunderstorms in the vicinity of Kansas City in the middle of January. But that that was the extra long fill, and that was the first time in 12 years with NBC on the big network when somebody said into my ear, take your time. That's never been said. <laughs> yeah, never. Not never that, before not on that and show. never You're again. Right. <laughs> take your time. Right. Uh, we take plenty of time here. One thing we take time to do is take a look at some of the controversial, questionable calls of the weekend that was. We'll do after further review when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Dak Prescott issuing an apology last night on Twitter for his comments after the loss to the San Francisco 49ers, in which he made it clear that he condoned, if not encouraged, throwing debris at officials when they deserve to have debris thrown at them. I'm surprised it took two days for Dak to put the toothpaste back in the tube. Good that he finally did it. Yes. I wish it hadn't taken that long. Right. And maybe it was the NBA Referees Association calling him out <laughs> yesterday. When the NFL, that. NFL crickets, NFL Referees Association 
crickets. You know, I don't like this. We're going to deal with all, this all quietly. We're going to deal with this behind the scenes. Just like the Bruce Aaron stuff, we're going to deal with this quietly. People need to know, when someone screws up, when someone crosses the line, let's, let's go ahead and tell the world this is an acceptable behavior. Let's do it. Good for Dak Prescott to, to do what he did to apologize, even though he never should have said that in the first place. Yeah, 100%. I, I would have liked to have seen it have come sooner, too, but you know, either way, this is what I would expect from Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott has been a model citizen, literally the guy that you would make a, a videotape of to teach other players of how to handle yourself in front of a podium. I think that's why it was so jarring for me. It was the first time I ever went, what? I can't believe Dak Prescott said that. I mean, he is usually perfect, Johnny leader guy. Everything is perfect about him. Uh, I'm glad he got this one right finally. Uh, that leads into after further review for the wild card, super wild card round of the playoffs. And one of the things that Dak Prescott was salty about, not just the way the end of the game was handled by the officials, even though it was not the officials' fault. It was Dak's fault for not getting out of the way when the umpire had to have a path to spot the ball. There were 14 penalties called against the Cowboys. That ties a playoff record. But Chris, as you've said repeatedly all week long, I mean, look at this. Look at this. They're egregious. Look at this. That's where, like, I don't want to hear it. That's just offensive. Uh, yeah, that's offensive a, and, and special teams. And, and it, it's, it's, you know, I know they're, oh, we seem like we're competing against two teams, the team we're playing and the refs. They're all blatant. They're blatant. You go back and watch them all, you'd go, there's no doubt. It's as, it's as blatant as it gets. It's egregious. They had to be called. They weren't ticky-tack. And that's what I find most times with Dallas. It's like they don't want penalties called because we're the Cowboys. Just let us go. It reminds me of, and I said this during the break, and I'm going to say it now. When John Gruden used to do the Monday Night Football games, and he would constantly whine and complain about too many penalties. It's like if they're committing penalties, are they supposed to not call them? They were committing penalties. You yeah. have to call them. That's why the officials are there. Yeah, and look at these. I mean, here's your defense, you know, again. And not, not not being disciplined. And look at all these penalties that led into first downs. You see, like, Odigizua holding, Gregory holding. You know why they're doing that? People might go, why is the defensive line holding? Because they're trying to stop the great run game of the 49ers, and they're trying to not let, like, a lineman maybe who was double-teaming a guy now go up to the linebacker. They hold them, so now he can't get to the linebacker, and Michael Parsons is free. But, yes, they were all bad. They were all egregious, and it's something that's got to be fixed in Dallas. It's obviously not talked about or, or practiced enough in the right way because we saw it all year long, the most penalized team in football this year. That Neville Gallimore foul for illegal use of hands, oh, hands to the whoa. face, extended the drive. We never would have gotten to potentially the 17-yard quarterback yeah, draw, right. tick, 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 because that drive was over. And they were getting the ball back with plenty of time, plenty of time. to get down the field and yep. try to take the lead. All right, um, let's go to the first game of Super Wild Card Weekend. The biggest call, the most controversial call, an Orwellian effort by the league office to get us to believe that the whistle was actually blown after the catch, which of course would make an erroneous whistle not erroneous if it actually had been <laughs> yeah. blown after the catch. Like, right. why are we even talking about yeah, it if right. the whistle was, was blown after, after the, the catch? Play. Right. But, you know, what, what they did, Chris, and this is very simple, they chose to not do what the rule book requires because their decision was it didn't affect the outcome of the play. Yeah. Okay, fine, but that's not what the rule book requires. But, but, and this kind of, this kind of reminds me of the NFC Championship game Rams Saints 
if they had just thrown the flag via an illegal procedure for throwing the flag, how many people would have complained versus how many did complain? So let's flip it around. If they do apply the rules as written, right? if they do take the touchdown off the board, if the Bengals don't score a touchdown when they do the mulligan and lose the game, do we have a parade in Cincinnati this week with Roger Goodell being hung in effigy? Do we have a boycott of all future playoff games by Bengals fans? Is it a much bigger deal if they don't deliberately choose to ignore the rules in order to give the Bengals the result of a play that clearly wasn't affected by the erroneous whistle? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Uh, th- it is. You know, I think the reason, of course, it, it, it was wrong. The NFL, the, the way they handled it was wrong. I mean, you, you made light of it. I mean, they're, they're, I just hey, the rule is what the rule is. So there's an erroneous whistle. You replay the down, act like it never happened. Uh, I think the thing that where there's not as much, you know, backlash is a little bit because of what you said, I think, to a degree. And the fact that most people watching it, I think, go, wait, the guy covering that receiver, he didn't hear the whistle. I don't really think it really affected the play all that much. But that doesn't make up for the way it should be handled. And, of course, that doesn't make up for the way the Raiders fans feel about this situation. So... I, I don't know what happens there if it got flipped around the other way. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, you'd have a lot of Bengals fans really pissed off at the NFL because of a referee, you know, blowing the whistle when he shouldn't be. But I got to think it's less egregious than the Saints-Rams thing because, again, at least it get you get it right. This is the way the NFL's written the rule. Yes, there was a mistake, but at least we got it right. That's where it's a little different. And I just, I still come back to this. This is what annoys me more than anything about this damn play. You know, it's, it's, it's all because we're so worried about the quarterback being hit that we're going to blow whistles even when they get close to the out of bounds now. Now we're going to blow it before they even get out of bounds because, oh my gosh, I've been told nine million times to protect the quarterback. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And that's where I'm just like, gosh, it's so bad. And where the hell were you looking at, referee? Look at the guy with the ball. He looks like he's looking down at the ground and trying to watch it with his peripheral vision. Um, and, and, you know, I hadn't really thought of this until our conversation right now. But I really do think the NFL learned from the Saints-Rams debacle that sometimes you get yourself into a predicament and maybe you do weigh which, which one, one results yeah. in less of an explosion. Yeah, okay. Which one results in less of a controversy. We're going to have a controversy either way. Which one is more acceptable to us? Which one are we more likely to have the fan base that got screwed, the team that got screwed say, okay, I get it. And in Rams Saints, they picked the wrong path. Right, this one they I think should they have the right one. Th- they picked the right path in this one I because think so. the Bengals don't have that touchdown. They don't win that game. They are never going to hear the end of it in Cincinnati. Right, Roger Goodell can never go to Cincinnati again <laughs> if that is exactly what had happened. All right. Uh, speaking of the effort, unrealistic and unreasonable to protect quarterbacks. Let's skip ahead to the roughing the passer or nothing the passer call on Khalid Kareem hitting Derek Carr or not hitting Derek Carr. This is some high-level acting by Derek Carr. This is, here's your Oscar, Derek Carr, with the jerk of the head 
drawing the foul. In real time, I thought, oh, yeah, it's a blow to the head. Oh, yeah, it's a blow to the head. And then you see this. Uh, it's not a blow to the head. And it was just enough of a just enough bobblehead by Derek Carr to draw that flag. He knew what he was doing. We saw him do it against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Yeah. He got up and held his neck. Remember that? Yeah. When Micah Parsons right. ran in or he ran into Micah Parsons. Yes, he did. He was running the ball. He fell into Micah Parsons' leg. He got up holding his neck and he drew a foul. And I'm not saying, hey, I hey, don't hate the player, hate the game, That's maybe. Right. That's right. That's right. I mean, but but this clearly wasn't roughing the passer. This is, again, it's just, is there common sense? Does any of the referees have common sense? It's forcible blow to the head. Is that forcible? No. And was it to the head? No. I mean, again, but, yo, just listen to the quarterback. Let, in fact, let him ref the game now. I mean, let him ref it. The hell with it. I mean, just listen to him. Because, I mean, he wouldn't really turn around and do and point at his head if he didn't get touched on the head. I mean, of course he would. All quarterbacks, I mean, they're looking for it. They know what. They know how gullible these referees are right now with this. So I, wouldn't be, I would be doing the same thing. I'd be pointing to my head, too, every time. Because they'll, they'll buckle and throw the flag. They will. It's stupid, and it's the second play in a row we're going into. Bad call because we're way too overprotective of the quarterbacks. Are you kidding me with that call right there in that moment? Are you kidding me with that call right there in that moment? A 30-yard gain. It went from a 15-yard gain to a 30-yard gain in the biggest part of the football game because of, I, I mean, a, a, a shoulder gla- grazed the face mask. I don't even know if it did that. It's, it's I don't even know if it hit him. I don't think it did either. I'm, I'm so sick of this crap. It really makes me angry. It does. It, it's so stupid. I think, I think Derek Carr... I think Derek Carr realizes if anything's close, jerk your head back, and they'll think that they hit you in the head. So, Chris, th- this will calm you down. Yeah, this sure. Will, this will – this is serenity now. How about Tom Brady from oh. Sunday? Oh. Derek Barnett. Here we go. First quarter. There's Tommy. There's I mean, Barnett. This is ridiculous. And, look, you know, the rule is at or below the knee. That is not even a low hit. He pulls up. He goes in easy. The hip. He, it's not an illegal hit, and he tries to keep him from falling down and immediately help him up. And gets nudged by the left guard as he's going in. Watch as he goes in here. Watch the guard come off and hit him a little bit, which just knocks him off balance. But it's it's ridiculous. This is like, oh, uh, illegal hitting the special relic of the NFL, Tom Brady. <laughs> how dare you? We, we put him in bubble wrap. I, just stupid. Now, again, I mean, this this didn't affect the game. We know that. The Bucks were going to stomp on the Eagles no matter what. But th- this stuff has got to stop. It's playoff football, and there's nothing illegal about that. I mean, it really is. and it, it, The NFL has gone way too far. And this, this whole procedure of protecting the quarterback and all of it. And it doesn't seem like they're going to stop. It doesn't seem like anybody's stepping in to say anything, nope. anything. And, then, you know, that's fine. But you're going to keep hearing me talk about it. That's for sure, NFL. Here's, here's what it is. Here's what it is. Chris, they need the quarterbacks to get through 17 games. Eventually, to be 18 games. They need to keep these guys healthy because you go from – Tom Brady to Blaine Gabbert, you got yourself a problem. They want to keep these quarterbacks healthy at all costs. So they're willing to take the criticism from us. They're willing to suffer through. Yeah, they Look, if they're willing to come out and say 2 plus 2 equals 5 on the Tyler Boyd catch 
and the erroneous whistle. If they're willing to do that, they're willing to deal with a lot of stuff because they've made a broader calculated decision that we're keeping these quarterbacks healthy and we don't care if there is relentless criticism of our officiating. We are keeping these quarterbacks healthy, period. Uh, it, it, it seems that way, you know. Again, I, you know, I, I understand there might have been a time and period where you want to do this. There was limited good quarterbacks in the league, but that's not the case anymore. There's great quarterbacks all around. There's a lot of good ones. You know, we're seeing some come out in the draft every year. You know, I, I, to me, it's just it's the wrong approach. And again, it's just handicapped good defensive football to a degree. It really has, and it makes no sense. You know, and it's unpredictable. Guy, it's, it's unpredictable. It's unpredictable. You're right. It's all over the place. But the guy that gets paid the most is the guy that has the least risk out of all the guys on the field. Hey, hey, you're making quadruple everybody else, quintuple ten times everybody else, and we're going to make sure that gravy train keeps going because we're not going to let anybody hit you. Man, that's why the well, locker room hates quarterbacks. It is right well, there. But, but the quarterbacks are what make the game go. They're I know. the most important player on the field. I, I get it. They make it go, but we act like, like some of these teams wouldn't be good without it. I mean, again, did we, just, we forgot that Nick Foles is a third-string quarterback and beat Brady in the Super Bowl a few years ago. You know, we I see, don't think we want to find out what Blaine Gabbert can do well, in the no, postseason. I, 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 I don't I want to find it. out. I get it, but again, there's more ways, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat or however they say that. It's, you know, again, I understand. I think but skinning I still the quarterback would be a violation. I still want to see football and I want to see part of football being able to make the quarterback feel uncomfortable because he's getting hit hard and the pockets collapsing and again the Steelers of the world those teams they've had a leg chopped out from underneath of them yep. because they, they can't impose that physical will on the quarterback position anymore like you could 15 and 20 years ago I say this jokingly, but the only way to get certainty into the game is to treat the quarterbacks like the punters and the kickers. You can't even touch them once the ball's out. And I know that's ridiculous, but that's the only way that everybody would know what the rule is, and that's the only way to get any consistency. All right, Jamar Chase wasn't called for offensive pass interference on a 28-yard on a catch in the second quarter of the game. Let's take a look at that one. The Bengals ended up getting a field goal on this drive. There, whoa, hello. That was a good quick uh, rewind there's, there. The, 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 uh, here's uh, Jamar Chase. Um I, you know, I know the defensive back was looking for it, and there was a little, there's a little hand fighting. It was there's smooth. a little, there's a little, yeah, but he made it, he sold it. He made it. Look, he, he yes. That left um, hand was real good. He didn't extend it. He kind of like, but it, but he puts it on his back and pushes the guy by. I mean, he pushes Trufant by. It, yes. That, it, I mean, that's Nate Wright. That's it, Nate Wright falling down uh, with Drew Pearson. It's just you can actually see the hand on this one. Yeah, there it is. And, you know, he did it in a way where I do think it was in a position where it's hard for the referees to see. But to me, this is the most commonly missed call in football right now. Offensive pass interference never gets called. I see it in Seriously, every though. game. I finally have the conclusive proof. For anybody out there that doesn't think Drew Pearson pushed off in Nate Wright, watch Trufant. That's exactly what Nate Wright did. Do you think they're doing that on purpose? No, no. he got shoved. He's got shoved. He got He's shoved. Full speed. Drew Pearson shoved Nate Wright, people. <laughs> Let's take a break. Some stuff you may it's have missed from Wild Card Weekend. Super Wild Card Weekend when PFT Live continues right after Yeah, this. Drew Pearson. Eat it, Vikings. Eat it. In case you missed a wildcard edition, and this music is funky. Nothing more funky than a big man touchdown. 
Big boy. Allegretti! Hey. Allegretti! Hey, it's way. Allegretti! Hey, I'm Italian! How can I do that? He got your pasta and meatballs this week. That's what he, happened. He did. He said, take the pasta and meatballs. <laughs> Big man touchdown alert in Buffalo. Equally funky. Don't drop it. Don't drop it. You can just tell by how Josh Allen's throwing. It's like, please don't drop it. Please don't drop it. There's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Played for the Bills and about 20 other teams. Shirtless in Buffalo. At the game, That's having a good amazing. time. Mac Jones checking out his breath. Look He's at my like, breath. I never saw this at Alabama. This stuff's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Sims on a Thursday night? Who said that? Yeah, exactly. Leighton Vanderesh. <laughs> Equipment manager fail. God fail. Oh, what are you doing, right. God? God, how you're getting you in Cedric Wilson's eye. Team and they blinded your own team. I know. Uh, that, that was. Uh, I had fun with that moment. And then the ball hitting hey, the scoreboard. Hey, you know that was a thing when they opened the building. Then it wasn't. It was a do-over. A classic do-over. Mike McCarthy getting some slime. Donna Kelsey. Man, that's mom amazing. of the year, making it to Seriously. both games. Wow. Tampa Bay to Kansas City. All in the same day. Way to go, and then Mama asking Kelsey. the question of her son right. during the post-game press conference when he looked like a bowl of cereal come to life, if you Man, remember that. That's unbelievable. Awesome stuff. Those two Great kids, stuff. holy cow. There she's, he is. There's the walking bowl of cereal. There he is. And Travis Kelsey. <laughs> what can you I get that coat? Charms. Can I wear that coat during the Super Bowl? <laughs> I'm getting that coat. I understand that in our business, so much of it is focused on the wins and losses, especially in the playoffs, Super Bowl rings and all that stuff. I understand that's part of uh, my legacy I'll be judged on when I'm done playing. And every year is important uh, when it comes to furthering your legacy. But uh, I take a lot of pride in the success that we've had and that I've had, and I hope we can add to it both from a how we judge standpoint and, and how we judge ourselves standpoint. I mean, he should be proud of his accomplishments, but at the same time, he's only been to one Super Bowl. So quarterback confidence draft for today, and this is specifically focused on behind in the fourth quarter. Which guys do you have the most confidence in or the least? We're going to do all eight of the remaining starting quarterbacks. Behind in the fourth quarter, which guy are you most trusting chris we do have a trivia question i know folks out there I like look forward it. to this we don't do it very often patrick mahomes became the third quarterback in nfl history to throw five touchdown passes in multiple postseason games kurt warner was the second to do it which quarterback with a legendary nickname was the first well, I, I don't know this i'm just going to take a guess because of the legendary nickname thing and i'm going to say it's slinging sammy baugh I, it's it's not. Womp, womp, womp. It's, it's Daryl LaMonica, although I don't know what his legendary nickname was. Da, uh, I, what was his legendary nickname? Was something a Mad Bomber, right? The Mad yes, Bomber. Right. Oh, yes. the Mad Bomber. Right, oh, right. Yes. Damn, legendary. so Daryl LaMonica had yeah. more than uh, multiple games of five touchdown passes in a playoff game. That's AFL. That's, yeah. AFL. Right, wide open, seven-on-seven seven football. Yep. No doubt about it. Yep. All right, you got the first pick. Take Brady. All I know right. you're going to take uh, him. Tommy, well, why, why wouldn't I? He's been there. He's done that. He's won like two full regular seasons plus of postseason games, and he's done plenty of those with a late drive. Give me Tommy. 
Without yeah. question. I hear you. He wouldn't be my first pick, but I understand it. I get it. I know. I mean, you know, the one thing I want to just say as we start this, you really look at these eight quarterbacks. I trust them all late in the game, other than Jimmy Garoppolo. Really? Yeah, exactly. You know? I was going to say, he yeah. Will be the I last trust pick all of them today. except the one that I would never trust. Right. He's, he's going to be the last pick. Whoever has the last pick is taking Jimmy Garoppolo. We know that for sure. Now, this is where it's interesting. I mean, between Mahomes, Allen, and Rodgers. Uh, damn, Joe Burrow! Holy crap! There's some tough ones. I guess I'll go Rodgers next. I will, you know. Again, I'm he's yeah. I but it's actually close in my opinion because Allen and Mahomes can do so much off schedule that they can save the team in a lot of ways too. That's where they're a little different in those moments. You know, we we've seen Brady in the Washington game and games like that this year where ooh, I mean, if the protection isn't perfect, he ain't bringing you back. He's not. And those guys, Allen and Mahomes, can do that. Roger's not quite as mobile as he used to be, but I'm still going to go with him as my first pick. Uh, yeah, and also you need your coach to go for it on fourth down when you have a quarterback that you trust in a moment where you're trying to get back into an NFC championship game, but I digress. I, I really want to go with Josh Allen to take away your boy Blue because I know how badly you want him, but, but i got to go Mahomes because yeah. we've seen Mahomes get it done. Right. We saw him do it in the Super Bowl. That's right. Down 10 with seven minutes left, so yes, Patrick Mahomes. I, I know. I mean, maybe, we should be, maybe we're giving too much respect to the old heads here. Maybe we are. You know, I do think in totality, like Mahomes and Allen are better than the other two guys we just talked talked about. But I but I, I think but Brady, I, I think right, Brady, right. When, when everybody else is puckering, Brady is thriving. That's why I, I still would not regret my choice of Brady. I, I get it. I get it. Mahomes is, is one that I think we could argue this thrives too, though. I mean, like you said, they were down by 10 points to the one of the best defenses we've seen in the last decade. And then just go on fire and end the game with five minutes left in the Super Bowl. I don't think he puckers either, to your point. But I'll go Josh Allen next. He is the guy I'm going to go with. I mean, he's, again, it just, hey, what, 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 what's the difference of the, la the fourth quarter? The whole game's the fourth quarter with the Bills and Josh Allen. It's always like, hey, here you go. Make some magic happen. Carve them up. If nobody's open, do one of those things where you run around and throw a laser down the field. And then when we get down and close, we'll pull a guard and we'll pull the other guard and you get behind it and smash it in there. I mean, it's always the fourth quarter with Josh Allen. This is a fun draft. Those four right there, holy crap. If we saw any of those four match up in the Super Bowl, we're going to have a good one. I'll take Joe Burrow next just yeah. because despite the experience, he's got that babyface killer vibe. He doesn't care. There's no moment too big for him. And he would love to be able to prove himself in the fourth quarter of a of a playoff game yeah i I'm, I'm with you there burrow is just he just is as cool as the other side of the pillow i mean he just he exudes like oh what no big deal it's two minutes left in the game uh, all right my next this is where it gets a little interesting too i think you know maybe i trust a guy like ryan Tannehill more throughout a football game to not do crazy things but Matt Stafford has proven to be kind of clutch, you know, when it comes to last second, last few minutes of the fourth quarter type of drives. We've seen that this year, even in games where, you know, he peed down his leg against the Vikings or the Ravens or even the 49ers game that they ended up ultimately losing, but he goes down and gives them the big drive to go up by seven with only like a minute left in the game. So I'm going to take Stafford as my next one because I do think he's kind of clutch in those end game situations. If you would have taken Tannehill, I actually would have taken Jimmy G. I'm taking Tannehill, though, in this spot. I would have taken Jimmy G over Stafford because at least Garoppolo has been there in the postseason, has been in these moments. 
For Stafford, it's all new. And, you know, he only threw 17 passes, and it was a blowout. We still haven't seen him in a close fourth-quarter playoff type ever, ever. With Garoppolo, at least he's been there, but I'm not taking him. I'm taking Tannehill. Uh, I can't believe you you just said that. I get Jimmy G, but I cannot believe you just said that. I mean, when have we ever seen Stafford deliver in the fourth quarter of a playoff game? We even have to deliver, or even have to. Listen, he he delivered in the game against the Cowboys and driving down, and they got the bullcrap penalty. You know, I mean, not not that game, but he delivered in that game, and then that that That's didn't true. work out. The Seattle Seahawks game, go back and watch when they lost that playoff game. I mean, they dropped the ball over the place. I know they lost, you know. And hey, listen, and nonetheless, you saw last week. Hey, it was the playoffs. I get that he came out firing. Those thirteen completions were big throws down the field. Jimmy Garoppolo, you literally talk about how they don't even want to throw the football with him at times. I just wanted to. Give you him wanted up. to get me pissed off right now what you wanted to do and you succeeded you jerk okay <laughs> uh, mission accomplished yes uh all right that's our quarterback confidence or as the case may be lack thereof draft we will wrap up this wednesday edition i had to stop and think of what day it is what day is it it's it wednesday. wednesday january 19 32 degrees in the city we'll be back with more pft live right after this. <laughs> you're funny You got to admit. Oh, I was nervous. nervous. It is. Terrible towel time. The Steelers advance. (laughs) When they picked up the fumble and ran for a touchdown, we looked at each other, and we literally said, four-letter word, Floria. (laughs) We can put that on the top of the tombstone. You know, that's wasted real estate. That that, that rough part on the top, you could just kind of put that could be the ribbon on the top of my tombstone as well. Don't waste your time reading uh, reading crap like that. Like Mike Floria. I mean, don't waste your time. Reading, uh, reading crap like that. Yeah, it's like getting worse, you. not I mean, better. Waste your time reading, my family uh, watches reading this like show. That. Yeah, you're well, gonna horrify my family uh, or or, or, or delight not. them, as the yeah, case may be. They might be like, damn. They I might was, be like, I was damn. checking my. I, I was checking my life insurance policy. I am worth more dead than alive. Yeah, so of course I don't you know. are. And all this damn clicks you get and everything and traffic you're all consuming. I mean, you got fl- plenty of cash. I'm sure the rest of your family's looking at that going, damn, I mean, come on, let's go. I like that. I'm going to go there to the gravestone. I'm going to make sure that's on there one day. And I hope there's some Rogers highlights. And I'll just hang out, too, and watch the highlights. And, like, maybe smoke a daddy cigar while I'm you're down you, there in the ground. We're tripping over <laughs> a new, an entirely new path <laughs> For remembering loved ones, uh, a yeah. living memorial via an LED I like screen. It. You better patent it now. Do it now. Someone's going to think over. of it. Or you can watch PFT live on a gravestone. See you. Have a great day. See you tomorrow. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.